Hi, and welcome to the Making Our Way podcast. This week, our guest is silk artist Evan Rosenberg, and he tells us all about his artistic process. Thanks for listening. Hey, guys. Good to see you. Seems what like it it's do, been baby. a while. It has yeah, been. It has. Man, it's been a year. So what was it? The 20- I haven't seen second? you guys since last <laughs> year. <laughs> that's the line. I failed yeah. that one. Yeah, if you don't count that, we all talked on the second. But that's true. My wife was probably like, why are you always talking to these people? I was like, like, I'm on a treadmill. You know, you get to pick. I'm on a treadmill or I'm not on a treadmill. And if I'm on a treadmill. For the most part, you were just wheezing at us, not talking. (laughs) (laughs) I turned on mic isolation. You shouldn't have been able to hear that. (laughs) Christy, I think you probably had the, the busiest weekend of all of us. What have you been up to? Uh, so we have been planning for a few weeks to actually for over a year to um, to move or rearrange our pantry laundry area that's off of our kitchen. And the, the problem with those kind of projects, a lot of things, is that it's either going to take you a short period of time or take forever. So we wanted to go with a three day weekend since we had that with yeah. New Year's Eve. When family's not over. Yes, exactly. After the holidays and it was just Marvin and I here. So, um, so yeah, the goal was to move the hot water heater out of the laundry room on flip it onto the other side of the wall, which is in the garage and then stack and move our washer and dryer to put that where the hot water heater is. And then when you open up the pantry area, we would, we're going to add more shelves in there so that we can have space to put more stuff in our pantry um, with the washer and dryer stacked on the side there. Um, so it was everything from electrical to plumbing and just, you know, cutting into walls, trying to figure out where everything is, what, what, you know, this house has been DIY to death by the former owner. And so there's a lot of things that we were like, huh, wouldn't have thought that would be there. Um, right. Especially like even when we were trying to find the plugins or the electrical spots, um, opening the walls up for that or crawling underneath the area where the plumbing was coming through um, to move that and stuff. So, whew. Did you crawl underneath the house or was it Marvin? Well, we both did, but it wasn't it wasn't actually underneath the house. The house, the garage is about two feet lower than or maybe three feet now, probably more like two feet lower. So there's an area that's kind of like a crawl space that is underneath the laundry area. Did a snake Um, attack you? No, it was it's it's not what it wasn't like under the house under the house. So. So, yeah, I mean, we were, you know, both just taking walls out and putting plumbing in and and electrical stuff but the one thing that i as since i've been married to him and i've learned so much with the shop build and just diy projects that we've done here around the house the fact that he can be like okay take that electrical plug in out and he was overdoing something else and i'm like i know how to do that i could take all of that out without like electrocuting myself so it's just kind of nice as we're doing projects now that I'm like, oh, I know what that is or I know how to do that or or, you know, with the plumbing and, and just connecting the different parts and making sure you've got everything going in the right direction, and everything. 
that has just been, um, I'm just glad I've got to that point where I actually can be a contributor <laughs> to right. those kind of projects. That is impressive because y'all truly haven't been together that long. Right. Austin no, uh -uh. and I have been with our spouses, you know, 15 years, and I could still say, get that thing and do, you know, over <laughs> there. And she has no idea what I'm talking about. I feel like this is perfectly clear. We've been together long enough. You should know exactly what I mean by that thing over there and do this. I don't understand. Yeah. How can I say that clearer than that? <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. actually, I've only uh, known Marvin for about a year longer than I've known you guys. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's it's not really been that so long. So one more year, if I say, get that thing over there, you're going to know which it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's just great now that we've got those parts done. We still have to build in the shelves for additional pantry storage sure. and stuff in there. Um, but just getting that part done and lifting up. You know, because like I said, it's just Marvin and I. So lifting up that dryer, getting it on top of the wash machine because of the front load. We specifically, when we bought these a couple of years ago, we specifically bought this set so that we could do that um, with them. So I'm looking forward to uh, reaping the benefits of just feeling like we've just got a lot more space for that kind of stuff. Because, but it was funny. Uh, the first, our first trip to Lowe's, we had our list of things that we that we needed, but that was before we started to like digging into a lot of the stuff. Um, so we went and I posted on my Instagram stories. How many times is this gonna? How many trips of Lowe's is this gonna take? One trip because we have faith in Marvin. Two trips because we have no faith in Christy. Or three trips <laughs> because of the, you know, the Venus whatever is it, retrograde. retrograde right yeah, yeah. exactly um and so then every time we went to lowe's and it would be like we would we would get to the next step of the project and open up a wall or or pull some plumbing and we were like huh you know the prior project person it just didn't make any sense or we needed more fittings to yeah. get from you haven't been in the house there. long enough to have that junk pile in the back Right. Right. We were able to use some stuff that was left over from, you know, the 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 pipes, the water, um, the shark bite stuff and and the PEX pipes and all that kind of stuff from the shop build. So those things we were able to to go ahead and continue to use. Um, but we ended up five trips, five trips over to uh, to Lowe's and uh, right. over three days. And the <laughs> weird thing was because we were going to move our old hot water heater and then, but we knew we needed to replace that lower element because the water just, there's just not enough hot water um, for like two people to take showers, one right after the other, or even with a little bit of break before between there. And so when we got the hot water heater drained and moved to the new spot, we opened it up and it was terribly corroded and it was melted like the little, the little parts that are all connected mm -hmm. there. So it had already had some potential fire hazard issues and we just could not get the element even out there of there to replace. Yeah, so that's what normally happens. Yeah. So at like 520 on New Year's Eve and the store closes at six, we uh, and it takes a full 30 minutes to get there. So we hopped in the pickup. We call Lowe's over in Grove, Oklahoma on our way. And we're like, hey, can you pull a hot water heater this size and have it at the front for us when we get there. And sure as shit, they, sh they did. They had it pulled That's ready awesome. to go for us. We were in and out of there in no time. 
And uh, Marvin's like, yeah, Grove, Oklahoma. Absolutely. Northwest Arkansas. Those lows would not. <laughs> he was like, we have enough time to stop at the casino on the way back. <laughs> No, we, we didn't get any casino time in and over the weekend, but, uh, but yeah, five, five lows trips, but a successful project by the time Monday afternoon rolled around, we were exhausted, um, and physically like, oh, we're too old and I'm definitely way too overweight to do too much of that kind of physical labor. <laughs> so awesome. what about you, Austin, the holiday season ended? So are you taking some time or are you back in it? Yeah. So, you know, in natural fashion, I got sick. Naturally. (laughs) Stomach flu. So I've been taking some time to sit on the can. Uh, That's about it. (laughs) What's funny, I got sick last week, too. I started feeling bad Thursday, and then uh, Kristen's sick now. But, yeah, it's funny. When you're sick, you just don't want to do anything. Oh, man, I didn't want to do nothing. And But you know what I did do? I I determined that this year I'm going to push hard. Like, because I pushed hard last year on socials. And I was like, what happens if I just pushed like twice as hard as I did? And so I've been releasing two reels a day instead of one reel a day. And so my goal was to, uh, or is to do two reels a day and one story a day. And uh, I failed a little bit on the stories this week. You know, I've done like reshares or whatever, but I was trying to do like content, one story, two reels, you know. And then across every platform. So it ends up being like or 20 pieces of content or whatever. So today is Thursday. And as of right now, you've got 96. I should have had 90, 96,000. So I'm wondering what, how fast are you going? Are you thinking by when are you thinking you're going to hit 100,000? Um, typically, I've been like this the past few months. It, it totally depends if I get a video that pops. Um, True. But I've, I've been averaging about a thousand a week more or less you know um i mean some days i'll hit like 500 people a day but it just depends on what you know if it's popping or not like right now i've got a couple <laughs> reels that are going nuts and like my phone this whole time i had 80 percent battery i just looked i have 17 percent battery because it's been vibrating the whole time we've been on this podcast <laughs> do you get notified so, every time somebody likes or comments if they comment the only thing is if they comment why do you keep that turned on um, because for some reason, oh yeah, when you get more than a hundred comments, they disappear. So, uh, but if I, I can scroll before I open my phone I can scroll through more than a hundred and see. So if there was something important, I can click that one and go answer it. So if it's somebody like trying to buy something or like a really funny meme, somebody sent me, yeah. you know, like the, I gotta go for that first. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. But, uh, it's, it's been, it's been fun to actually like. I was like, I'm just going to get in the groove and just like try. And so like the first day I was like, okay, I'm back. I'm at it. I filmed nine reels in wow, a day. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, I'm not saying they're all the best quality, but they're pretty good. And yeah. like, you know, one of them's got like, uh, over a quarter million views already. <laughs> so nice. yeah, well, I, I think the key is determining like, what's a reel, not a, not a TV show, not a feature right. length film. Like what's a reel. And so you can have one activity you do and make four or five reels out of that right like you did yeah. that uh that center punch die or whatever and you did several reels off of that one project and that's that's a good way to approach it yeah and even I, like i took a little cue from chris powell because he started doing like the concrete series right where, and i was like so how can i turn this into a series like what's and the, the way you do a series is like you're either testing or you're doing a a growth you know you have to have like a, a story arc 
right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to do that, you need some kind of arc and some kind of ending and some kind of, you know, tri- tribulation. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys in on a secret that fucking die worked the very first time until I sent her home one extra click to make sure it <laughs> failed because I knew the next day I had another thing that I had already solved the original problem that I knew it was going to be a problem. And so, but then it didn't fail immediately, <laughs> which oh. I, I thought it was going to. So I had to give it a little extra mm, and then, you know, make it fail. But, um, but uh, actually what, what surprised me is that uh People weren't even talking about the failing. I thought that was going to be the topic of conversation. They were all talking about um, their techniques for doing the same kind of thing, but in a different, like still using metal to shape metal. But they were talking about, oh yeah, this is how we do it. And and it was very interesting to see all the different techniques that people can't, like it was totally a great community moment Oh, until nice. it hit like a hundred thousand views. And then it started getting real shitty. <laughs> like there's a, there's a turn down that happens well, uh, with every, it sounds like but... the community just gave you a bunch of new reels too. Cause you can try those methods and techniques and see oh, how no they doubt. compare, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm open to anything for real. Like as long as it makes sense in the, you know, I'm open right. to anything. So, uh, <laughs> And also, so like, normally I'm like, I troll if it's a sponsor post or whatever, I'm trying not to be a troll. Right. 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 So today I did a reel with those Vaporust, right? right. Uh-huh. Uh, right. They sent the, the Vaporust to me, which I mean, I've used the Vaporust fucking forever. So it's not like right. a, it's some big deal that it's, a, you know, that I'm using a Vaporust. Um, but I, they sent me the cool one that has the built-in basket with the basket. Yeah. With, yeah. Like the strainer basket. Uh-huh. And uh, and I was like, this is awesome. And then when I went and filmed it, I put it in using the strainer basket. Right. And then when I w- took it out, I didn't even like think to grab it because I've never had the strainer basket on anything. So I just reached in and grabbed it. That was totally not me trying to be a troll. Um, but then people lost their mind about me dipping my hand in the evapor and like washing it off with two hands in the evaporust. And so the next video, I was like, well, fuck these people. I'm going to put on a glove and I'm going to go as deep as I can go past my glove to make it, you know, and, and make a point right. of me being right. safe by using a glove. Right. And yeah. uh, Evaporus wrote, wrote me. <laughs> what did they say? <laughs> they were like, we fucking love this. Oh. Uh, we're going to, we're going to send you a bunch more shit. This has been awesome. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. Like I was so, uh, when they wrote me, I was like, fuck. Here it yeah. comes. <laughs> Austin, our SDS says you shouldn't do that. <laughs> well, I read on the back of the thing and it's like, make a skin irritation. Please use gloves. I was like, oh shit. But no, <laughs> I didn't I mean, read that till the end. But I've heard like originally when Evaporest was with the original owner, he was on someone else's podcast. I don't remember the where, but they're from Arkansas. So that's right. what caught my attention from the very beginning. And so I listened to it and he was like, yeah, you can stick your hand in it. It's not, you know, I think they just have to put that may cause skin irritation stuff because yep. people, you they know, can, potentially like I they're, mean, yeah, they're if you've got on the side issues, of caution, right? right. Yeah. Uh, I, the, uh, it's, this is what's crazy about posting content. And, and if you get some range, you get, all kinds of people commenting on it. And so one guy on YouTube, he's like, he's like, I'm actually a whatever chemical engineer. And he's like, so I went through their MSDS and, and, and uh, just looked at it. And he's like, believe it or not, the active ingredient in this is in so many sodas 
that you are oh, drinking. Oh, wow. And he's like, he's like, this is totally safe. He's like, you could put your hands in it. He's like, you could probably actually drink it, but I wouldn't suggest it. I was yeah. like, well, just for one real colon cleanse, you know, just one real. If you you're know? still sick and you're on the can a whole bunch, you should film, you know, <laughs> take a shot and then close the bathroom door. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a sponsored post. So there's a line. Yeah, oh, yeah. And it will help clean the toilet bowl on the way out. That's right. All this rust water, it's out of here. <laughs> Anyways, I've been yeah cutting it up today. So, what, Dean, what have you been up to? Uh, the biggest thing is got my sewing machine hooked up. And oh, right. Yeah, so I got the sewing machine on like Black Friday back in November. It was delivered uh, right first week of December, I think. But I was in the Christmas gift thing, and you know, I've got all this coming on. And it was just a box full of parts. It was kind of overwhelming. Like I'm, I'm building a sewing machine. I don't want to build a sewing machine, but <laughs> you got uh, the sewing I, machine kit. You're right. And so <laughs> I'm like, I paid extra for to have it all, but I, uh, I got it up and running and stitching. It was funny. Um, I ran one stitch, you know, one stitch and I posted, and I haven't been posting on our discord a lot. I went to the discord in the leatherworking thing and I posted a picture and Griffin replies, looks like it needs some um, adjustment on the bobbin. And I'm like, I know, my, you know, it's my first stitch. God damn it. You know, I'm excited <laughs> about it. it's working. You know, we'll dial it in later. But uh, I'm actually am struggling to get the bobbin tension right. So I'm going to spend some time on it this weekend. The other issue is it only came with a 250 size needle. And so that's like, um, I don't know if it's 2.5 millimeters or, but it looks like something you'd give blood with. I mean, it's substantial. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so oh, wow. it can take down to 130. So I had needle half the size. And so I ordered, um, I didn't go all the way down there. I went to 160, which is 130 was the smallest it'll take, then 160, then 180, 200. And so I bought um, more needles, 160 needles, 200s, and thread, thinner thread. And it just hasn't come in yet. So when that comes in, I'll, I'll start trying to sew some projects uh, right now. I mean, this yeah. thing, it's like I'm sewing horse tack or something like it's just. Yeah, it's gigantic. That's okay. Because my uh, my um, the, the treadle sewing machine, I think the 132, 132 was like the biggest needle that one would take. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yours yeah, is like a 250 gigantic. twice that. And that's it. Like I'm, I'm pushing through. I'm like, oh, my God, the holes this thing is leaving behind. Like, <laughs> it, right. is, it is definitely like for tack. And I, I tell people. When I bought it, I I should have went in person and looked at these, but I thought it was similar to a machine I had used at the leather shop. And this is basically like a Cobra Class 4. And it's called a, a Weaver uh, 205. It's similar to an Adler 205. What I thought I was getting was what Cobra calls their uh, Class 26, which is a half the size machine, which I had been using the smaller Adler machine. I thought this was similar to what I had been using and it's not, it's much bigger. I mean, this, you could sew anything you, you could sew two people back together with this if you wanted to. Um, so I'm still going to find ways to use it and uh, kind of supplement. And then eventually maybe I'll get something between my singer and this, if I can find room for it. The other thing I've been deep into lasers again, getting a large format uh, CO2. And my thought is I can design patterns, cut them in the CO2, like cut them in the laser and then stitch them and, and kind of cut out that. Cause honestly, the thing I, I struggle the most with is the knife work, you know, getting straight lines, getting cuts, right. not having the fabric pull. And uh, the glow forge is just the bed size isn't large enough for the kind of stuff so I want to make. What size did you say that you were thinking about? I'm looking at like 100 watt, 150 watt lasers. No, like the bed, 55 like the bed inch, 
Uh, oh shit. Yeah. yeah. Where are you going to put that? That's the other thing is where I'm going <laughs> to put it. What I think I'm going to do is get rid of one of my work tables, put the laser there and then put a table that folds down on top. So when the laser's not being used, I can fold the tabletop down. When I am using mm -hmm. the laser, fold the tabletop up. And uh, that's what I'm thinking. The other thing is I I'm thinking more and more about maybe moving on from some of the woodworking machines um, or, or building work tables on top of them to where now those are my work surfaces that I clear off if I need a table saw. But mm. um, I mean, I think a table saw is a foundational tool, but there's not a lot of things that I'm doing over there. Uh, right. that I'm not doing over here. So I can find some space. The other thing is, you know, we don't really eat in the kitchen that much, so I can always move the stove or something. Uh, I, in all legitimacy, I don't know that I could fit one of those lasers back here through the door. Uh, right. Most people are there in their garage and stuff. So um, I don't know. That might be a down-the-road purchase, but uh, it's something I'm thinking about. But I want to try to come up with a few bag designs first, and then I can figure out what size I really need, and then maybe I can work something out where I, keep it at Clayton's and just go cut what I need, but let him use it too uh, in exchange for putting it somewhere. I don't, I don't know. We'll figure all that out. That'd be a good spot for you to put your table saw it's over there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> let him deal with the dust. We'd like to take a minute and thank folks over at Patreon for their financial support. On our top tier, we've got Marion Ward from Creative Ward Gallery, Scott Oren from Daddy Yourself, Ozark Spirit, Chris Shelby, and Nick Birchtold. Today, our guest is Evan Rosenberg. How's it going, Evan? Good. How are you? Good, man. Thank me. you so much for coming on. Yeah. Why don't you tell our listeners who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah. So um, my name, as you said, is Evan Rosenberg. I'm a silk fiber artist. So um, what I do is take silk pulled from silkworm cocoons. I'll dye it. And then each piece is individually sewn in to a uh, shadow box like frame. Um, to create these geometric patterns and shapes. So you, you've already said about six words that I have to know more about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> first off, you said silkworms. I'm thinking mm -hmm. synthetic. Then you said you dye it. I'm thinking mm -hmm. you buy all this on Amazon. So oh, no. let's just crack into that whole process. What is this silk? Yeah, so um, the silk that people wear, it starts from a silkworm cocoon. So... They'll grow silkworms. They turn them, you know, they have them turn into cocoons and then they'll kill them and pull <laughs> apart the silk. Yeah. Because essentially what harvest. it is, is harvest yeah, they it. harvest the silk. Thank That's you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they harvest the silk and it's, you know, I like to call it worm vomit when I talk to people because, you know, they spit it up and it's one long, like two to 3,000 foot piece oh, of wow. silk that they unravel. And so wow. I take that material yeah, and then I get it in like a big, what they call a hank. So it's just, it's, it's essentially, they take it off a wheel and I get that, I cut it and then I have to pull it apart one piece or two pieces at a time because there's still a sticky property to the silk because mm -hmm. the silk has to stick to itself to create the cocoon. So if I pull too many at once, the whole thing knots up and it, it's ruined. So I have to pull a couple pieces at a time until I make bundles of about 100 to 200 pieces of silk. And then I'll take that and I dye it um, and using just normal silk um, acid dye. So what did you call the bundle of silk like that you get it? Yeah, it's called a hank. And how do you find a hank dealer? Oh, yeah. You know, eBay is where I ended up looking. So, oh, like really? all other drugs. Yeah. Okay. So 
so this work actually started um, from my work as a scientist. So I worked in a lab here in Boston um, that was taking silk protein, dissolving it, and making microneedle patches for drug delivery. Um, so you'd put the drug in the tip of this this with the silk protein, and then you would slap it on. The silk would implant and slowly release the drug over time. Wait, so this I, is the this is the plot to Spider Man with Tobey Maguire. <laughs> well, not with spiders though, but yes. Okay, okay go ahead. I'm going to turn into a silkworm. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So um, the uh, oh god, where, I lost my. You were talking of about thought. how your professional career led you to your Hank yes. Taylor. Yes. So, well, so I got silk from them and then I was trying to find silk. And the only place I knew where to find silk was through like China or, or Brazil or Italy. But every person or every place I contacted for a sample, a sample was 50 kilograms of silk. I've used probably like a hundred grams of silk in my seven years of using this. So like yeah. there was, and then they were like, you have to commit to like tons. And I'm like, no, no, can't do that. So I ended up no. finding some person in the UK on eBay that was selling the silk. And actually I, I can't find it anymore. So I, I'm grateful I bought like enough to last me probably for 15, 20 years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Um, Cause I don't, I, I, I don't go through much, you know, yeah. each there's thousands and thousands and you know, hundreds of thousands of pieces of silk in each hank so how um, do you store a hank of silk to last 15 years like did moths um, not try to eat it or it's in a bag in a plastic okay. bag yeah um <laughs> no moths have tried to eat it yet okay so and then let's talk about you you dye this yourself what's the dye process what are you using to color the silk yeah so it's uh, um i get my dye from a company called dharma dye um and or Dharma Trading Co. And so you, I just take, you know, they make this for like giant batch processes of silk fabric. But so I only need like drops, a pinch, you know, yeah. uh, it's a powder. You add it with some water and vinegar, put on the stove for a little bit to warm it up. And I put the silk in, and about two minutes later, it's dyed. Do you have like a silk pot? Like, don't cook spaghetti in this. Is my oh, silk yeah, pot? Yeah. I've, <laughs> I have three silk pots because sometimes I'm dying so many things of silk and I'm trying to, you know, just mass produce it. So yeah, they're all stored at the side. So you, you dye this silk. How do you guarantee consistency of the color? Like that red is red is red. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't, um, I, I find sometimes that like it doesn't dye fully, you know, there's splotches and that I, part of my process as an artist and why I do this work is, is it's, it's a meditation for me and it's a let, letting go of perfection. And so as much as it just like makes me want to lose my mind, I, I keep moving forward. And then, so how many different color dyes do you have? Because you're making silk across a rainbow of colors. Is it kind of like a chemistry thing where you have a recipe book? Nope. I have 80 different colors. I haven't oh, gotten wow. to 80 the part colors of dye. Yeah, I haven't gone to the part of mixing my own colors yet, but I, I do want to. It's just I haven't I haven't needed to just yet. So, so I'm curious, Evan. In my mind, I'm envisioning when you're talking about um, like pulling the threads or or getting the individual pieces lined up. I'm envis envisioning like uh, some piece of like 
furniture or apparatus or tool to help you like spin it like it's wool or something. And I'm I'm sure that's completely wrong. But Mm -hmm. can you kind of like explain that to me so that I can visualize how that process works? Yeah. So actually what I, what I do is I, I have it on a, a hanger and I have it like on a hanger, like a scarf essentially. But what oh. it looks like is it looks like a, like a wig, like it looks like hair. So oh. I have it on this scarf and I, and I hang it, hang it up and I just pull, I have to do it like with intense light so that I can see what I'm doing. And I have to do it on a black background to really make it efficient and easy. So I can just pull, 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 pull. What color is the silk when you get it raw? White. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you're storing it, so like you've, you've pulled the threads and you've dyed it, how do you like store what you've already dyed or do you have like an, an an organized closet or what kind of is your, your kind of like organization of that? Yeah. So I have like a, a storage bin where I put them in Ziploc bags and oh, I just okay. wrap them up into a little like circle and pop them in a bag, kind of like a, like you would wrap up like a, a charger. Okay. Yeah. Just in a little loop. Or like embroidery yep. thread. I mean, as far as like someone who does like embroidery with, I realize silk and thread are different, well, but. I'm so uh, glad we started that it's worm silk because I totally thought this was embroidery thread. Yeah, no, a lot of people think it's a lot of, and it drives me nuts because it is not thread (laughs) because it is so much finer. Um, and, and people are like, oh, you're using like, they'll be, I have a lot of people that'll walk in my studio and they'll say, I used to do this art when I was, yeah, but I used to do this art in the seventies. And I'm like, no, you fucking did (laughs) it. No, you didn't. (laughs) This is not grandma's art. (laughs) Well, let's talk about the art. There's two parts of this I want to discuss. One is the silk itself and how you come up with the planning, the process and the design. And then the other part we'll talk about after is the frame and how it works into that process. So yep. where, where do you start? Is it pencil, paper? You know, what inspires you to come up with this shape? I um, usually just come up with, I just play and come up with it and try things out. And if I like the initial layout, um, I'm a very visual, I'm an organic chemist. So I have a very visual mind. I can take things and, and build them pretty easily in my head. So if I start something, I, I kind of know where it's going to go, or I do know where it's going to go. And so a lot of a lot of my process in creating new pieces, I do while I'm creating the piece I'm working on. So okay, I'll be because yeah. it's mindless, right? So once I set the pattern, I just have to execute because the fabric I attach the silk to, it's a polyester burlap. It's essentially a grid. So once I place the first parts, I know exactly where I have to go. There's no thought. There's nothing to it. So while I'm doing that, I'm like, oh, this would be interesting if I did something like this or if I changed it this way. Where did the inspiration come from to work three-dimensionally in space instead of silk through a canvas? Yeah. So I started with silk through a canvas um, and and where I, I was starting with very basic, like very minimalist, a single piece of silk was interacting with itself in like on a, like, cause I painted before. So I was using like linen that you would use for, for painting um, to make these pieces. And so from there I was like, I want to, you know, utilize and, and, and showcase the strength of the silk 
you know, because it's so delicate yet it's so strong. And so I started working with burlap and, um, Mm. and I like the burlap because you have this like very like, you know, wealthy, rich, like fabric that is silk, right. Or material. And then you have this burlap, which is, you know, like burlap potato sacks and things like that. And so uh, I was, I was, cutting gashes into to burlap and I was sewing it, sewing it shut essentially with silk. Um, and then from there I was like, you know, what if I like took a, like a, a painting and like built a spider web behind it, right? Like this is like an old, like, you know, like, like the webs behind a painting. And so I started working into doing more work with that. I started working with black because I realized that black burlap, at least because I realized the, um, the brown burlap, you couldn't really see the silk at all, you know, during the day, um, you had to have, you know, the light had to hit it perfectly in order to see it. So I, I took a canvas, flipped it around and then built this piece, this first piece I called love lines, which is probably somewhere on my Instagram. Um, but it was very basic models of kind of what I was trying to work with. And so from there, I was like, well, how do I get it deeper? You know, like it's so shallow. I want to go deeper. So I found deeper stretcher bars and started, you know, working with that. And then the natural burlap was so irregular because it's natural that I was like, I want more structure. I want more perfection with this. So I went to this polyester burlap, which gave me that like perfect grid and the almost perfect spacing. So the frame that you're using that uses this polyester burlap, is this your design? This is your kind of take you your Yes. I mean, I bought I I buy the 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 actual wood that like these are two and a half inch stretcher bars. You can buy them, you know, but I've built everything by myself. How neat. So when it comes to doing that, you know, tell us about the process, the trial and error of taking this the burlap, the original burlap, and then this polyester and, you know, is staple versus glue. How am I reaching it around? How did your painting background work into stretching this burlap across the wood? Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I wrap it around and I essentially upholster it around. And so, you know, I've had, I've learned how to, to stretch canvas, um, when I was taking art classes and things like that. And so I kind of utilized those techniques, um, but there's so many variables that I would yeah. come across, right? So like Yeah, because you talk about the, the perfection and I'm going, if you pull tighter on one side, you've ruined right. that grid. Yes. So I've had to go through a lot of experimentation with this. And for a while I was just stretching the the um wrapping it around. And I noticed that the grid was doing this and I couldn't get things to line up properly and it was driving me crazy. So then I tried gluing it down and then stapling. Okay. And that still wasn't good enough. You know, I still had, cause I like to have everything line up perfect, almost perfectly. Right. And I would have like the track that I was using go out of the piece essentially. So I couldn't attach in the same row, I guess. Right. Does that make sense? So, yeah, yeah, like, to keep I had the same to, geometry. Right. So, and then what would happen is I would try to move it up. And then when I moved it up, when I would cross the silk, like when I would essentially make the, the, the intersections. Yeah. The intersections at a different up. point. Right. Right. They weren't lining up. So it was, so it was a train wreck. <laughs> so that I had to like destroy those pieces and figure something out. And so now what I do is painstakingly sit there 
and like cut down the whole fabric and like make sure I like I hit it almost exactly in the row that I want to cut. And from there I can just easily now staple it on because it's all the same size, right? right? So as long as I line it up on the wood the same way, I'm good. You've talked a few times about the black working on the black backing. What are you using in these frames? So for our listeners, if you can't picture it, picture a canvas and then flip it around. And he's working in the void that is the two inch stretcher frame. What are you using for that backing material? It's a black velvet. Um, velvet. Yeah. Velvet mm-hmm. silk, man. Yeah. So the velvet. The yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the velvet works really well because it, it's good at absorbing light. And so I actually, for a while, was working with a, a company that was work, uh, doing like similar to the Vanta Black. It's like a, mm-hmm. a carbon nanotube. Yeah. spray um and i there's a company here in boston that does it it's called nano lab um they they have it they call it singularity black so i have one piece in my in my inventory that has the carbon nanotube black on the background um and i want to do more but it's it's is that paint or that's the felt it's it's so you take a velvet and then they uh-huh. spray it velvet, with I'm these sorry. tiny carbon so nanotubes. they're spraying the velvet with the yep. sort of black do you find a big difference? I mean, obviously you've experimented with different versions of black, the yeah. darker, the deeper blacks you find better results, better visuals. Yeah. Because so I put lights in the, in the shadow, in the um, shadow boxes um, to illuminate the silk. And when the black can absorb the light better, it just looks crisper. Awesome. Mm. And then let's talk about that. What are you using for lighting and how's that play into the design? Yeah. I use like led rope light. And, sure. um, this actually came last in my whole process of building this, whatever you want to call it, this piece. Um, you know, I started with the, the, the stretcher bars and then I did the polyester burlap. I figured out the velvet that I could use that would work the best because some velvet has shine to it. And so I needed a very like flocked matte velvet and it, I went through 60 different velvets like i went to Mm. multiple fabric stores and ordered every swatch of velvet i could find and i finally found a velvet that worked um, from a curtain company (laughs) and uh and then i figured out the framing and you know i I realized i needed to use museum glass for it because the Mm, black makes it really hard to see anything and even with museum glass it's still hard so ironically i made a piece for my mother and um, she put it in the worst spot in the house because there was windows in every single angle. And she's, I'm like, you have to move it. And she goes, I think you need to figure out how to light this better. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Hey, I love it. Okay, Cheryl. Um, no, so <laughs> so I, 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 I was playing with lights and, you know, they were actually getting new lights for their house. And so they, they were talking to a, uh, you know, a, a light designer about this and they, they sent me these lights, but they got way too hot. So I was too afraid to put them in. And so I gave up on the lights for a little bit. And then I got, I, I started working with a co-op gallery here in Boston and they were like, if you could light these pieces, it would be stunning. And I was like, okay. And I, and I did my research again and I ended up finding, you know, these led lights that are like very, they're very white um, and they don't get too hot. And, uh, yeah, they work out really well and I can adjust them so you can dim them at night. So it's a whole thing. Have you ever thought of experimenting with colored LEDs on white silk? 
Yes. Uh, I've thought about doing color LEDs with colored silk, right? So like making a piece with like cyan, magenta, and yellow, and then doing the RGB rotating lights and like the piece would essentially change colors as it evolves, right? It's just, it's, it's just, it's on the list of things to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's on the list. The lights are super expensive. They're like $240 for 10, 10 feet of light. And so I just haven't, I haven't done it yet. Yeah. That sounds like some Phillips hue lights. Right. Right. (laughs) Almost. Yeah. While we're talking about color, I was just curious if you've ever experimented with the um, 3d effects of red and blue together with um, those threads. Have you ever done anything like that? I haven't. No. Um, I haven't even thought about doing that actually. Um, it's, it's yeah, no. Well, I look forward to seeing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's who we are full of suggestions for other people. Yeah, no, I love it. I love, I, I love hearing curious. suggestions. No, yeah. it's, it's, uh, you know, this process is so tedious and time consuming. It, there's so many things that I want to do with it. And I just, mm. I don't want to, like, I, I do everything. I frame it myself. I do the lighting myself. It, it's, it all takes so much time. I, I barely even have time to like get the things done that I want to get done. You know, let alone like, you know, I've been working on a couple of commissions now that are, you know, draining me and taking forever. Evan, you have a few different styles that you string together. But one that's pretty consistent, if if you could imagine guys like a rock show and you've got the laser lights, and so as they kind of move across, they make like this wave where they converge in the middle and then they spread back out at the outside. I mean, that's kind of the look, like laser rock show, smoke show kind of, kind of vibe. But none of these are the same. And so whenever you decide you're going to make a new piece, I'm just curious, what are some of the considerations, what are some of the metrics that you play with when it comes to color options, spacing, uh, gaps, distance, because you have this grid, you know, what are some mm-hmm. of the geometries you play with? And then what's the process like deciding how these are going to cross and line up to create this spread effect? Yeah. So sometimes it's arbitrary. I just, you know, I'm like, I want to make a rainbow piece. Like I had that rainbow piece that went like mega viral recently. And I don't know if mega viral is the right word, but it was my biggest viral piece. Um, and, uh, I was like, I just want to make a rainbow piece, like Roy Biv, get the colors in there. Um, you know, because I've done a lot of playing the first rainbow piece I did, I had them coming from opposite ends and having the rainbows intercrossing. Cause I wanted to see how the colors interacted with each other at the various layers. And what was really cool for me is where I attached them all at the same anchor points and where I attached them, you actually got, like a convergence of like white appearing. So it was like the color was splitting from like a white central point. Right. And so like almost a prism effect. And so that really got me interested in, in playing more with just the rainbow pattern and colors. But most of the time I, I do like complementary colors or I, I try to use color theory to choose which color sure. patterns that I choose. Other times I'm just like, let's do these two colors together. I think they look good. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, I, I really don't have like an, an, a deeper intense process when it comes to picking things um, with when, when it comes to the actual pattern, sometimes I work, you know, I start at the middle and work out other times I'll just be like, okay, I'm picking this spot and this pot and then building from there. And I'll choose a, you know, spacing of two at the top and six at the bottom. And it's just, it's just, I just pick things that make sense or don't make sense. Um, 
and then other times I'll do like the, like, I don't know what the, I forget what the law is, but if you take like two, four, eight, 16, 32, 64, you just continuously doubling the number. I'll do a lot of uh, pieces like that too, just to kind of have oh. it fan out and, and spread out. Um, so that, yeah. Otherwise say it's just kind of arbitrary. The numbers and the doubling, are these individual pieces of thread or are you bundling? I tie each piece individually at both sides. So I use a suture knot at one side and then the, and then the other side, I just tie it out, out. That's really cool. Evan, you mentioned prism. You have a piece that it kind of looks like I thought of Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. And I don't know if yeah. that's the rainbow one you were talking about. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, what you've got here, is those are actually two different pieces that you've anchored on each side and then they're converging in the middle. How yeah. did that inspiration come to you? So uh, because I made all these rainbow pieces, oh, a lot of Pink Floyd fans comment constantly dark side of the moon dark. and i'm like no not at all but okay <laughs> you know they see a rainbow and they go dark side of the moon so i you know good so i had someone approach me and goes can you make the dark side of the moon album cover and i said i will try and so i tried to figure out the triangle floating and i was like there's no fucking way so i said i can do this and so i i did the white or the gray silk in the middle to act mm -hmm. as the prism and mm -hmm. yeah i had to figure out i initially was going to have it come up and then down kind of like the pink Floyd oh, cover. Yeah. But that again was I three anchor points was impossible to get it all to Consistent, line up yeah. consistently. The two was even challenging enough. Right. Sure. And so, so yeah, I, I looped it around one side. I had to pull the silk down as I tied it so that and to measure it out, to make sure it was equal. And then I would start from the middle out. So I started green, yellow, um, blue orange purple red as i as oh, i looped yeah, yeah, those yeah. silks wow. around and so it was it was a really challenging piece but like it turned out incredible yeah, and a piece. wow yeah well i wanted to talk a little bit so i looked up to see how thick silk is and it's like 12 thousandths of an inch which for normal people that's like a couple human hairs together yeah so what kind of tools are you using like obviously a regular needle is gigantic in comparison to that. What are you using to like actually stitch this together? Yeah, I get um, the, the, I go to the, you know, local grocery store and get the little sewing pack and I get the small hook needle and that's what I use and it works perfectly. And then, so you're, you were just talking about how you like you're holding ones. Are you holding it with your hands? Or are you using like a, like a alligator clip or what's yeah, no alligator clip because I'm too afraid of like damaging the silk. So I was mm -hmm. using uh, like I had a little hook that I was holding and pulling and that was just for the prism piece. The, the rest of it, I'll anchor it to, I'll tie it to the one side and then I sew it into the other side and just knot it. And so I'll usually take the silk and, and pull it a little bit so it's tense and then secure the knot. Okay. Um, so everything's pulled under tension too, which is mm. makes it. It, it makes it gorgeous, but it's also terrifying because, you know, it's silk. It's as thin as hair. And I'm like, and people are like, what happens if it breaks? And I'm like, good question. <laughs> <laughs> you, you accept the new piece because I can't go in there and fix it um, unless you want me to. And that would involve me cutting all the way back and then rebuilding the whole thing. Oh, oh wow. Um, so then the other question I had is like, you either have superhuman eyesight or are you using some kind of like optimizer where magnification or 
You're just so young still. He's young. That's it. I am young. No, no. Oh, <laughs> don't even five. that hair to hair. You're young. I am young. Yes, twenty nine. Um, and and I'm great. Thirty one. Um, Thirty one. Oh, okay. I'm over the hill. <laughs> oh no, we're dead. All right. <laughs> no, so uh, I um, the silk is you know the one cool part about it that makes it looks like look like lasers is that it's got this reflective property to it. So as long as I have really good lighting, it on the black background, it's pretty easy to see. And then uh, the other tools that I use is I'll take two um, like needle nose tweezers for like ingrown hairs, and that's how I do my my suture knots. Okay, and then so for your lighting, are you using like a work light that you bring right up to it, or is it kind of just the I whole like rooms a- lit up? Yeah. So I, where I work in my, in my studio here, um, I have a, like a plant light above me, um, that I actually have it for plants, but it, it works very well for, for this. And then I have like a big, like, um, almost like a photo box light that I'm actually using right now to, to light me. Um, that does well enough that I can, that I can see it, but people are always amazed. Like it's actually cool. I, I think it's pretty easy to see as long as it's not like a really dark piece of silk that is a little bit more challenging, but if it's like a nice bright piece of silk, it's, it's quite easy to see. That's cool. And then, so what about what kind of work holding are you using? Cause some of these pieces are large. Some of them are small. You're kind of all over. Mm-hmm. So it'd be difficult to have like one setup. but what, what are you using to hold it still while you're doing your work to it? Yeah, I just use like a painter's easel, uh, like a re- oh, one okay. that can hold like four or five foot pieces. I stand when I do this work, so everything's at like eye level, and so it makes it a little bit easier to see that too. So I'm not like hunched over, but I'm nice and tall. And um, and then I take every, you know, I flip these pieces thousands of times when I'm making them because at each end I tie, I flip, I tie, I flip, you know. So um, it's a back and forth um, movement, yeah. And then the last question I have about it is when you're making your frames uh, and you're putting the the black um, frame material, what, how is that? You talked about earlier that you glued it and what is, what was your final process to get that really solid so you could put the, pull the tension on it? Yeah. So the, you mean the, the polyester burlap? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I moved away from the gluing just because it was, um, it was, it was starting to get hard. If I glue, if I put too much glue, it would be hard to sew it in. And then I also found that the, it, it prevented any tension from happening. So I have a couple pieces that I've cut. Um, one of them is a rainbow piece. Another one is like a, is a, like a, it's a radioactive green that when I cut that one, it all shot up and knotted on itself because there was that tension. But when I glued it down, I, when I cut it, it kind of just hung there. So not that I, won't revisit gluing, but my, what I tend to do now is I use a staple gun with like nails. Um, and so I'll nail into the, um, fabric and then I paint the, the staples black. So they're somewhat hidden. Um, and that kind of just keeps the fabric anchored down, um, so that it's not kind of ballooning, um, with the silk. You've mentioned a few times already that pieces can break, things can go wrong, or you, you may cut some pieces to get some dy- dynamic movement in in the art. Uh, you had one recently that you were displaying and people were commenting on the broken silk. With something that's so technical and so detailed, how have you embraced imperfection and letting go? Yeah, so, you know, I 
I've with this work, I've really lived in a lot of fear because I, I fear of longevity, fear of like, you know, like what if this does break, you know, and I've had to face that and kind of embrace the reality that I'm using this organic material. And although there are silk garments that have lasted for thousands of years that we have, you know, in museums from China, um, I don't know what's going to happen with this. And it, and it terrifies me. And, and for a long time, I really like tried to figure out ways to preserve. Right. So I was spraying pieces with acrylic spray. And what ended up happening was they started to loosen a bit, like they started to sag because they lost their te- their tensile strength. Sure. And so, um, so I've had to like revert back to just my roots and like go back to stapling and tying and trusting that like this will hold for as long as it will hold. And if it breaks, it breaks. And I tell people if they're buying a piece, like there is a possibility that a string can break and I'm happy to replace it if you want to pay for it. Um, but I also think that, you know, a lot of the work that I do personally and spiritually is around acceptance and impermanence. You know, I, I, I do study a lot of Buddhist philosophy and, um, and so, you know, my work is to find acceptance in this. And, and my, my hope is that my viewers see the single broken strand and can find the beauty in that imperfection because, you know, I actually, I had a piece, one of the first pieces that I ever had broken strings in, I called it acceptance. And then I I showed people it and some people were like, this is great. And, you know, other people were like, no, what are you doing? Like you're ruining it. And I was like, you know, none of us are fucking perfect. You know, (laughs) I'm not perfect. You are not perfect, but there's still, you know, that is what makes us so beautiful. And so I am, I'm not a robot. I'm going to make things that are more, you know, so I'm going to make things that are more organic and I'm beginning to, to strictly move in that direction when it comes to the art that I'm producing. Like, I don't think I'll ever, unless someone pays me to make a perfect piece, I will not be making perfect pieces for my own work. I love that, Evan. That sounds great. And I Mm -hmm. think we've reached the point in the podcast we like to call this or that, where we give you a few different off the wall options and see what you think. My first one is I've spotted a lot of house plants in the background in some of your posts. So I got to know, Plant Daddy, what's your go-to favorite house plant that everyone needs to get? Um, I monsteras are really easy to work with. They you are. know, you can, it's, it's kind of hard I've to kill them. Alive. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of hard to kill. Um, so those I enjoy. I also have a lot of cacti that I've really gotten into because you can leave those alone for you know a month or two and it's totally fine. Um, so I would say that the monstera, the cactus, those are great answers. I know you've had some shows in New York. I was curious, what are two or three other cities that you'd be really excited to be able to show your pieces in? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I think I would do really well in Miami. At least that's what Mm. I've been told. It's very like vibrant. The colors. Yeah. 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 And then, um, Oh God, at least in the U S maybe Chicago is somewhere that I'm looking to, to show too. Um, but yeah, New York's kind of where I'm keeping my eye on. Okay. I'm thinking great. Vegas, Vegas. I think Vegas would be great. Yeah, yeah. actually it would be a, a good spot. Mm-hmm. Never even thought I never, Vegas wasn't even on my radar. Yep. We, um, the guys make fun of me of how many times we go to different museums and that's, I could definitely see these out out there. Yeah. 
So we already alluded to the great head of hair, but you also have a really fabulous mustache. So I'm <laughs> curious, you. just is there any mustachioed, you know, celebrities that you look up to inspiration or uh, do you aspire to any other type of facial hair one day in the future? Oh God, I wish I could grow a beard. You know, I would kill people to grow a beard. Um, I just, I can't, I, I don't have the ability. I am very patchy. And, and, and so this is the reason why I have a mustache is because it's all I can grow. Yeah, well, you can't have it all, man. You can't have I the know. head of hair and the mustache <laughs> and a beard. Yeah, no. So, um, but you know, I, I, I like Freddie Mercury and you know, the, the iconic mustache there. Yeah, he had a good one. Um, Tom Selleck has a good mustache too. Yeah. He's very Tom Selleck with that mustache. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. So I, I like to ask somebody when they come on the podcast, uh, a question about the first three tools that they would buy if they were starting their work over again. So if you were going to just get it ramped up right from the beginning, what would be your three tools that you would try to acquire first? Um, an easel, a scissor, like Embroidery scissors and tweezers. Man, he came prepared. Yeah, he was yeah. You can tell I he's listened. listening to some episodes. I All listened. right. <laughs> okay, That's I got great. another question then. What is your go-to threat for somebody getting ready to use your thread scissors on something like a piece of paper? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, oh you're yeah. No. The threatened. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I I always uh, tell my partner that I'll kill him if he trusts, if he touches my scissors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good I, thought, I'm Austin. Like, I never like, thought about. Three different pairs of scissors you can use. Do I'm like because I know I get don't fucking touch these. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> I have like fabric scissors for the velvet too, and I'm like I have like written on it, do not touch. Do not um, touch. So, yeah. but he he wouldn't touch. Like they're so tiny. It's like what would you use them for? You know what I mean? Yeah. Other than I don't know, maybe like you wouldn't cut paper with it. It'd be painful. Yeah. You know, Just trimming up a mustache. Yeah. Or a monster. Well, you could do that, right? You know, it's hair. Essentially, I'm essentially working with hair. So, and then, right, I have hey. a kind of off the wall question for you. What does, when you get the raw silk, like the very beginning stage, what does it smell like? I don't actually know. Um, do you want me to go at, find out? Do you want me to show you what the silk looks yeah, like? Yeah, yeah. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah we'd yeah, love to see it. it. There we go. So, yeah, this is the silk. Oh, wow. Uh, does it smell? I mean, I guess it's been out for a while. No, it doesn't really smell like anything. Hmm. Um, but yeah, this is I it. I bet it's wow. super strong. Like woven into a rope, I bet it's super, super strong. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is one of nature's strongest materials, right? So, um, and that's why I used it because it looks so delicate, yet it's so strong. Um, and like I've taken pieces and I've accidentally swiped them and I'm like, oh my God, and nothing breaks. And so... That's at least encouraging for me with longevity, but still I panic and, and fear and I'm like, I must preserve everything, you know? And so I'm starting to move away from that and embrace um, the imperfect like, and embrace, you know, I'm like, you will be lucky if in your lifetime this piece breaks, you know, and falls apart. Mm -hmm. Like that is a blessing in my, in my eyes. <laughs> How many pieces of silk do you think were on that hanger that you just. Oh my God. Uh, like tens of thousands. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Millions and millions of his artwork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, pretty much. Evan, new year. We're going to try a new segment. You're going to be the first guest that uh, answers this question for us. Uh, I'm in the safety background, safety history. I've cut every part of my body some point in the shop. So I want to know from our guest, 
what's been the scariest shop injury, whether it's a paper cut to an amputation that you've experienced working in your craft? Yeah. So, um, probably dropping scissors, um, I wear shoes when I'm working because I drop the scissors so often. And oh, like, wow. the, like just three weeks ago, they literally like landed right in between my toes. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my God. And you didn't have shoes on? <laughs> I did have shoes on. Oh, okay, it was okay. like stuck in the shoe. Like, stuck and I was in like, the shoe. Oh, wow. oh God. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I don't think I've really had a major injury, probably burns from, you know, a soldering iron, um, or, um, I haven't touched myself really on anything. Yeah. That's, no, I would say, yeah. No, safe is better than, careful. than sorry, yeah. but glad you're wearing shoes. Keep wearing shoes. Yeah. Kevin, you're a true artist. I hope all of our listeners go and check out your artwork. Why don't yeah. you tell them where they can find you? Yeah. So I'm on um, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube now. I just started that. Um, and Facebook, the Instagram, TikTok, YouTube is Evan period M period Rosenberg. Um, Facebook, I'm still figuring out. I tried to do an art account, but it just keeps posting to my personal account. So mm. don't go there yet. But um, otherwise, yeah, that's where you can find me. Yeah. So Evan M is from Mustache Rosenberg. Thank you so much for coming on. I uh, hope you have Thanks a great day. Thanks for ha having me. Thanks Thank you. Too. Good night. If you'd like to join the folks over at Patreon, it's patreon.com slash making our way podcast. And our middle tier, we've got Tony Langer from Lingerworks, Susan DePlantis from Hearth and Garden Art, Stephanie Taddeo, Kyle with Footwork Woodworking, Dwayne McDowell, and Eric from Overall Makerworks. Okay, Dean, so why are you in a midlife crisis? It's funny that you phrase it like that because I would think anyone who thinks that's what's going on, they're probably in a midlife crisis. Yeah, see, I knew that's that's not why, but some people... So I'm going to tell know. you exactly what led to me deciding to take a break from Instagram. It's not an existential thing. Right. It's a combination of three situations that occurred that made me go, you got to get off this app for a minute. <laughs> One, the sewing machine. It was back here for a month because I was overwhelmed by this box of parts. Right. And when I would sit down to work on it, the first thing I would do is get on Instagram because yeah, I didn't want to read the Chinese instruction manual and figure out where these non-labeled parts went. I didn't uh, want to focus on it that much. So I would go to Instagram and then I'd look and go, it's been two hours and I haven't worked on this machine. And then when I went to work on the machine, it took 35 minutes. All right. the parts were spare parts that they oh. give you because I bought the deluxe kit. None of the fucking parts went on the machine. The only thing I had to do after I bolted it on was connect the foot pedal, turn the knob on the motor, put a needle and thread it. And it was ready to sew. And oh. I let it go a month because every time I sit down to read the Chinese instruction book, I'd open up Instagram. So that was the first thing. I get that. The second thing was I had Christmas gifts I had to make. And the Christmas gifts I'd have to make Okay, so I'm going to bring a present to my brother-in-law on Thursday. Well, so it's a wood sign. That wood has to be cut. Then it has to be glued. You have to let the glue dry so that you can sand so that I can find a day that it's warm enough to varnish. And then the varnish has to have long enough to you know, evaporate and, and cure so that I can wrap it so that the varnish doesn't get messed up when it's wrapped. Right. But, yeah. So there is there's days and days and days ahead that I can't wait to the crunch time. 
And so in, I would go to open up Instagram and I'd go, shit, I really have to do this step tonight. And then right. I looked back and I was like, oh my God, look at how many, how many gifts I made tonight. Because instead of being distracted on that app, looking at shit that I really didn't care about, right? I, you know, I spent the time working on these things. Now I'm posting about these things, but then I put my phone down and get back because I had deadlines and right. I was surprised at how, and then the last one was the day before we went home for Christmas, I had a hair appointment and I had 20 minutes until my hair appointment started and I sat down in my chair and I went to open Instagram and I said, you know what? I could probably clean the bathroom right now. And I put the phone down and I went clean the bathroom, then went and got my hair cut. So instead of wasting 20 minutes on Instagram, another chore that would have been hanging over my head when I came back from getting my hair cut before I could go out and finish my, it was done. And I went, mm -hmm. how many other things am I not getting done because the 20 minutes I'm on Instagram instead of just cleaning this bathroom, just getting these letters glued tonight and not you know tomorrow. And so then I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, you obviously have a, an addiction issue where your first impulse every time is pull out the phone. I'm putting air in Kristen's tires tonight. I pull up my phone because I'm just watching an air compressor. Well, let me get my phone in my other hand, but I don't have Instagram on my phone. So I, I couldn't. So then I'm thinking about other stuff and I'm like, you know what? Let me do my tires too. And let me, so it it's the phone is getting too comfortable going mm -hmm. back on that phone and going on Instagram. And so I'm trying to remove that comfort some to push myself into some more uncomfortable things like cleaning a bathroom or gluing, letters or, or just being more active to really see how much can I really get done on a weekday night after work where before I was coming home from work, getting on Instagram, feeding the dogs, getting on Instagram, coming outside, getting on Instagram. And it's just right. eating a lot of time. Yeah. And I actually kind of took for, took your lead on that. Particularly I had gotten over the last few weeks of the holidays and just wanting to just relax a little more. Um, one of those stupid little farm town, Farmville, whatever games on my iPad. And oh yeah, no um, games on my phone. Oh my God. That thing, I I have tried to have it on there and then take it off because it's just too I, I don't know if it's like the competitive nature or the accomplishment, the fulfillment. I mean, they the know what they're doing. Yeah. They know yes. what they're doing. I used to play right. Madden on my phone for hours. And I'm like, what yeah. the fuck am I doing? Get off. So right. there's no game. There's there's not worm game, nothing. There's no games on my phone because of that. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna put Instagram back on because I love Instagram. But the right. other thing, the other side of that coin is both of your pages have grown a lot over this last year. And I have had no growth. Um, I mean, I'm at 3,000 followers. It's not, you know, it's nothing to be cry about. But I mean, Austin has 96,000. Christy, you're <laughs> over four in one. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if your accounting page passed me this year. And that's not anything I'm doing because if I can be a little selfish, I think I'm very interesting. And I think I do a lot of cool shit. But you do the style yeah. of my posting is not in line with what brings strangers in. So the people right. that like me, that was was funny too. Was when I put the should I get off or not? There were so many people that said no, don't get off because they enjoy my stories as entertainment. But that's not you know that's not growing my account. Pandering to the people who are already following me, I need to establish a quality of a product that brings people back. And so I have to come up. I'm going to spend some time and make posts over this month. They're not going to, I'm not going to put them out, but I have to get better at what it means to record a post, have a plan, have an editing. Like, cause like when I did the Santa video, mm -hmm. I had, a, I had a shot list and I, oh, I right. was able I to put that, that out. Yeah. 
And I need to do the same thing when it comes to, I've got a slot machine over here I'm going to refurbish. I need to have a shot list because I can go over there and have a great time just taking it apart and fixing it. But that's I'm not making good content when I do that. It'll just be quick stories. Oh, here's what I'm going on now. And then I, I go back and do. I need to say, okay, if this is the process and I want to make a three-minute post or a, YouTube, a short YouTube video, this is the process. And I, I want to separate myself from my current posting style and then put some effort into defining what my posting style is going to be. So when I come back on, my content's better and hopefully I can see some growth. Yeah. No, I totally, I totally get that. I also want to like, do the LLC and I want to get a tax ID mm -hmm. and I, I want to do all that stuff. And it's a lot easier to file for your LLC when you're not like, fuck this legal mumbo jumbo. Let me get on Instagram. <laughs> right. I'm with you. Yeah. Instagram is like a cigarette. Yeah. Right. It's like yeah. a cigarette right. break. Yeah. But then the my, candy. my, what is a three minute, should be a three minute cigarette break ends up when I'm on my phone, it's a 20 minute break. You know, and because I'm like, oh, oh no well, I just have to feed these cows. Oh, wait, I need to harvest this in 2.3 minutes or whatever. You know, I mean, whatever goofiness that is, um, that's where I was just like, OK, I just got to delete it from there altogether because. Yeah, that's the only I'd way to get it's rid gonna, of that, too. That's, yeah, that's over to. the top. Um, the uh, so when you said you weren't getting on Instagram anymore, I was like, he's fucking right. I got to do something. And so, I know, you know, I, I've been filming now in airplane mode. Which is right. a absolutely great a great uh, guys. Do, if you're trying to focus, do it. Just put it on an airplane and start. If you're trying to film, because it's it's so easy to get pulled out of your camera for mm -hmm. ten minutes yeah. every ten minutes. Um, but I noticed that, like I'm in so many freaking group chats now that I and I just started, I just left almost all of them because I was like I it's it's just a distraction I don't need and I'm trying I'm trying to be very deliberate and just stay on which is very very fucking difficult for me guys <laughs> like <laughs> it is so hard for me to go a straight path and uh so I, I need to remove as many distractions as possible and that's what even my dad this week when he's been coming around i'm like zinging i'm like i gotta record this i gotta record this he's like what the fuck is going on over here you know and i'm like i'm just i i uh, i need um at a minimum 14 pieces of content a week and he's like, and that's a lot, man, when you that's figure out like yeah. editing and all that stuff. So, um, and can I, I and, uh, say something on that? Sure. So you can take something from Christy on the 14 pieces a week. You need to come up with a day or two that is themed. And then that way you're not trying to come up with original content. That's a good right. idea. Seven days. So you have a tool Tuesday or, or whatever tool Thursday or, you know, fresh take Friday. And you know that your content that day is not related to your projects. It's related to this topic and whether it's just talking or telling a story, you know, story right. from my past or whatever. Um, I, I would try to incorporate that. I think that's one thing I'm going to do to get more practice with YouTube shorts uh, or just filming for that kind of presentation. Cause I told y'all before I want to make, that's another thing I want to refocus that my face and me is the product, not mm -hmm. the things I'm working on. And so one of the, things I'm going to start doing is I'm just going to start grabbing every tool around my shop and I'm going to do it. If it's two minutes, it's two minutes. Like this is the saw. This isn't a comparison video. This is, Hey, I have this saw. This is what I think about it. This is why I got it. This is the things I've done with it. And if you have questions about this saw, let me know. And then that's it. That's a video. And I've got, I don't know, a couple hundred tools in this. I was going to say, right? you are the one to do that series right there with all of your yeah. tools. Yeah. So 
I don't know. That's what I would, I would pick a day and, and have a theme day or two. And that would mm -hmm. just relieve some pressure because the theme is the product then and not you having to come up with a new contraption. Yeah. Cause especially like if I, if I post anything on a non Tuesday, they don't get near the views as my Tuesdays because people are used to that tax tip Tuesday. And it right. is even, and I don't post a whole lot during the rest of the week just because trying to shuffle around everything. But Tuesdays, there are people that I've talked to that said, I know to expect your Tuesday posts. You know, it'd be a good one, Austin, with this new found Evaporus connection. You've got so much rusty shit around your house. You could do two posts where the first one is you show this rusty piece of shit. Before. And I'm going to put it in Evaporus. That's the first post. And then the second post is, hey, we guys, remember we put this in yesterday. We're pulling it out. Maybe it's like a Saturday series or a Saturday, Sunday series when you're filming the rest of your stuff. And you could right. just do those every... Uh, our friend Uncharted Customs, who today was his four-year anniversary of quitting his corporate job, going wow. full-time maker. Yeah. Uh, so starting four. So three complete years, kicking off year four. He did oh. a whole series last year on Will It Laser. Yes, that was a big, great series. He got his yeah. big thunder laser, and he would just stick shit. All right, we're going to put a soccer ball in here. Will It Laser. A boot. Will It Laser. And he got so much traction that Thunder sent him their bolt laser to say, hey, continue this series. We love what you're doing. And I'm not saying that's what you're looking for with that partnership, but that would be a good way that, you know, people like series. I was telling someone today that there's a guy on uh, YouTube, the deal guy, and uh, he just like, here are the top 10 things you should be getting in January at Costco coming yeah. in at number 10. And I love it because his voice is hilarious and it's always like 34 things. It's never 10 things. Right. That <laughs> cracks me up. He's like at number 10 and he goes through five things. I'm like, that's five. What are you doing? And so then we go to Costco every time we walk down the aisle. I'm like coming in at number seven, your peppermint patties. And we make it about three aisles until Kristen is rolling her eyes at me. But, yeah, yeah, but, but I'm saying like those series and gimmicks, they're easy. They're not going to maybe blow up, but they'll remove some stress and let the rest right. of your content be better quality because you're not trying to be unique every time. Right. Great yeah. Point. And that's what I, so like, like you were talking about that, like dunk it in and then dunk it out. That that was my two videos I did yesterday. Yeah. And today but I would whatever. do the whole, you got so much rusty shit. Oh yeah. I could go forever. <laughs> and you know, it'd be another good one is like, you could do like themes, like find something that rhymes. And so like, okay, March one, we're going to bury something in the yard. We're going to come back, get it the last weekend in March and see if the evaporus can clean up more. Does your, does your dad or wife leave shit out in the yard? And then you got to, well, here we go. We're going to start a series where we leave this out in the rain and then we'll bring it back in three weeks later and see if we can get it cleaned. Yeah. And, and put evaporus in a squirt bottle, spray bottle, so that you can get rust off of stuff that, or and, or do they sell it in a spray bottle in a different kind of container? I was just thinking on the- Normally you have the, to dunk it. I was just thinking as far as like, if you set it, soaked to the top of something- wonder if it would stains from clothes, rust stains Ooh. off of clothes. I have no idea. It's, um, I know that, um, like you can do a surface if you put paper towels on it and soak the paper towels and then and set them on something, it'll, it'll actually work pretty good. Doing oh, that. okay. And that's, yeah. yeah, that's a great way of showing it. It just has to have something to like hold it on there. Right. That's, yeah, that makes sense. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this episode, please give us a review and subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. So reach out to us on Instagram at Making Our Way Podcast or on Patreon. You can find all of our latest individual content on Instagram or YouTube. I'm at High Caliber Craftsman. 
Dean is at Dean underscore Duplantis. And Christy is at Twisted Twine Woodworking. Lick it, stick it, see you later, bye. And our first tier of patrons are Jacob from Griffin Makes, Jacob from Other Dog Designs, Keith Drennan from Blackthorn Concept, Justin from Bear Make It, Jeff Stein, a weird guy, Dave Bauer, Caitlin Landerneau, Morley Kurt, Greg from Platte Valley Woodworks, Brendan McDonough from McDonough Designs, The Grant Alexander, Jen Griffin, The Black Sheep, Brian from Moonshine Leatherworks, The Makeshift Podcast, Maritime Knife Supply, Henry at HT1 Metalworks, Brad from Brad's Customs, Steve Delaney, One Old School Pirate, Kelsey Watson, Dan Gallagher, Goofballs by Dan, Chris Powell, Full Steam Design, Spaghetti and Waffles, Rebecca Johansson, Ira Housework, Ed Johns from ButtJoints.com, Dave Beckwith, Rob DeMarco, Dave at Atomic Airship Works, Earl Earl the Third XYZ, Dana and Emmett at Rescue Room on Summit, Max at Camp Arrowhead, and Luke at LJB Makes. Thanks a bunch, folks. Thank you.